and welcome to the Movie Mouth Film and TV Podcast. This week finds us in the grip of a June heatwave and in the middle of the Euro 2020 football tournament. So if you can peel your eyeballs away from all of the drama on the soccer field for an hour, come join us as we discuss Disney Plus's new MCU Loki show, Iron Man himself, Robert Downey Jr. producing the new fantasy Netflix show Sweet Tooth, and Lin-Manuel Miranda returns to us here, humming and rapping in our heads constantly for his new musical, In the Heights. As ever, we'll be discussing the latest film news and trailer reviews, plus we have a very special video store corner dedicated to one of my personal favorite 90s action flicks. It's the 1996 John Woo-directed Broken Arrow. Bang, 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 bang. This is Miles, and as ever, I am joined by a man who tells me almost every day, I live in the American Gardens building on West 81st Street on the 11th floor. My name is Phil Steer. I'm 27 years old. I believe in taking care of myself in a balanced diet and a rigorous exercise routine. In the morning, if my face is a little puffy, I'll put on an ice pack while doing my stomach crunches. I can do a thousand now. After I remove the ice pack, I use a deep pore cleanser lotion. In the shower, I use a water-activated gel cleanser, then a honey almond body scrub, and on the face, an exfoliating gel scrub. Then I apply a herb mint facial mask, which I leave on for 10 minutes while I prepare the rest of my routine. I always use an aftershave lotion with little or no alcohol because alcohol dries your face out and makes you look older. Then moisturizer. Then an anti-aging eye balm, followed by a final moisturizer to protect with that lotion. There is an idea of a Phil Steer, some kind of abstraction, but there is no real me, only an entity, something illusory. And though I can hide my cold gaze and you can shake my hand and feel flesh gripping yours, and maybe you can even sense our lifestyles are probably comparable, I simply... I'm not there. Hi, Phil. <laughs> Hello. You really are a psycho, aren't you? I can definitely do a, a thousand stomach crunches. Uh, not. Yeah. Maybe if you reach in for a, an Indian takeaway. <laughs> oh, is a kebab down there? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I say it like I can. I definitely can't either. And I've been trying. <laughs> I do two, and then I have a heart palpitation. And I'm like, I am a I'm psycho, going to though, die so now. That's good. You get what? I am a psycho, though, so I'm not American. You are. Mm. You're the non-American psycho. It's the spin-off. I am. Yeah. I'm actually a little bit angered by you because you just called, you said the uh, Euro 2020, confusingly, we are in 2021, but it's the 2020. You said soccer tournament. That's right. <sighs> and there are reasons for that, Phil. I, I, I thought reasons. you would pull me up on this. I did. So actually, at the first, if you noticed, I did call it the Euro 2020 football tournament, if you were listening oh. closely. However, I did say if you can peel your eyeballs away from the drama on the soccer field. And oh, the reason right. for that, ladies and gentlemen, is because, as Phil knows so well, the majority of our listeners are based here in the United States of America with me, not over there with Phil well, in the UK. Torn so up in a, in a constant just trying to diversify. Tug of war. Tug yeah. Of war. yeah. So What's if you seat? can just like message us, if, if the Miles fans can message us, if you'd like us to call it soccer, we can. If the Phil fans, or two or three of them, would like to message us about football. football <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Please let us know what you prefer us to call it. Does that, does that solve the 
conundrum. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I just cleared it up nicely. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, he's uh, uh, he's throwing up his fingers at me in all kinds of different mannerisms, which are very unpleasant. I'm glad you can't <laughs> see that. So, Phil, how are you? I'm good. I'm very good. Thanks. Yeah. What have, you, what have you been doing? What have you been up to? What do well, you do? I came back from a family wedding yesterday, which was amazing. Mm. Uh, saw some actual people because it's been a bit more locked down here in the UK, as you know, than it has mm-hmm. been in the US. Uh, and we're still only allowed 30 people at a wedding, but we I went to my cousin's wedding, which was brilliant. It was really good. It's been put off. It was like rescheduled, I think, two or three times. And I think they just said, you know what, we're just doing it anyway. So let's just do it. <laughs> yeah. So it was really good. It was really nice to see a lot of people and uh, yeah, have a good time. So that was good. Oh, that's awesome, yeah. mate. I know yeah. it's been 18 months of in the UK of pretty much hell of you guys just staying indoors. And I think the only time we had an opportunity to go out was when I was there briefly when we recorded yeah. that special, that special episode. So I'm happy for you, man. That sounds great. Yeah, that was very good. Have you been watching much this week? I know you've had a busy couple of weeks outside uh, of the rock anniversary special that we filmed, <laughs> uh, that we recorded last time. Well, yeah, apart from the stuff we're reviewing, I have watched two films, uh, which were randomly oh. on TV, which I couldn't turn off once I'd started. Uh, the first one being Commando, which... Oh, there we go. You know, John Matrix. Seen it for, like, you know, the millionth time or whatever, mm-hmm. but it was on, so I had to watch it. I lied. Um, <laughs> and um, the second one was uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Ooh. Which I hadn't seen for quite a while. I've only seen it once before, but I really enjoyed it. It's a it's a bit of a crazy film that, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. Um but yeah, really good. Yeah. I haven't seen that in years. Does it still no. hold up? Is it uh Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. It's just a bit nuts, isn't it? It's just it looks I good remember, though. It's, it's I well remember it being a little low budget looking in the cinematography. Um, I think it was like digital one of the first kind of digital camera produced films that Rodriguez uh, Robert Rodriguez did. Good knowledge there. I think I th- now I'm sure everyone correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think I was, because I was looking it up while I was watching it, and I think it was like the first film to be done on digital for, you know, like that sort of thing. Filmed on digital. For release, yeah. I yeah. think it was the first one filmed fully digital. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it was interesting to watch. But, no, it, it looked good. It still looked good. It's um, so funny. I was, I was thinking odd. about that film just the other night, that scene where Johnny Depp gets the 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 pork like the 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 spicy pork and he's eating the pork in the restaurant and he's a hitman mm. or something isn't he yeah and he's like this pork is so good that I just to even out the balance I'm gonna have to go back into the kitchen and blow away the chef and then you see that yeah. amazing one take where the camera just follows him into the kitchen and he's pulled <laughs> yeah. out the gun and it's just <laughs> pulled the with it. yeah it's so weird the reason I was thinking about that is because I had <laughs> the other night I had some amazing martinis. In mm. the in the bar near me, which you know very well because we've been I there, do. and uh, they were so good that I was in my head thinking of that scene where I was like, "These <laughs> martinis are so good, I'm going to have to even out the balance." Instead of going over to the barman and blowing him away, which would have been very inappropriate, um, I went over and I congratulated him. But um, but it's weird. I was thinking about that film. Did you have like a and fake arm on that you didn't that you could that rests on the table that you can pretend to real arm? <laughs> That's right. He's got a fake arm. He's like got a fake arm that's like, so he can have his gun out under the table, but it looks like his arm's on the table. Is it holding a fork as well in that suit? Yeah, it's like, holding, yeah it's like holding a fork. It's his fake arm. And then he gets up and kills someone. He's got this fake arm with a glove on it. And the fork holding. Oh, Weird. man. Two amazing movies. Two amazing yeah. movies. 
I did something similar this these last couple of weeks. I think because we've had a lot to review. Yeah. Um, a lot of the stuff I've been revisiting has been some kind of late night movies like you. Mm. Um, one of those was Team America, World Police. Oh, blimey, yeah. Which is just amazing to this day. Yeah. Um, you know, to even like try and mimic it or mock it on, on this podcast is going to be really inappropriate, so I'm not going to do that. Yeah, um, probably for the best. But uh, suck my cock, Gary. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, Austin Powers Gold Member is another one that I watched. I hadn't seen it in ages. And recently I've been buying a lot of things that have some kind of gold attached to them. I, like- I know this. I mean, you know, <laughs> listeners, there's a running joke. Miles like, will message me like a photo of an item he's bought. And in typical Miles fashion, it's always like gold or gold plated or something. Just <laughs> so it look nice. And then it's, just, it's forever that we're sending each other the uh, I love gold gift from uh, from Goldmember. Yes. Yeah. And because he's been sending that to me for about a year now, uh, I just I was like, Do you know, what? I'm actually going to watch this film because that is that gift is hilarious. And uh, yeah, I love gold. <laughs> you really do love gold. So I am officially gold member. So I watched that. The other thing I've been watching and I'm addicted to again is the Japanese reality TV show. If you remember, I was watching it, I think at the start of our podcast. I remember, it's called yeah. T- Terrace House. Terrace mm-hmm. House. Um, it's on Netflix. There are, I've already seen the latest season. I watched it last year, but there were three seasons before that. So I started watching the, the first season. They're about 30, 40 minutes long per episode. It's about three men and three women that live in a house. Funnily enough, a terrace house in Tokyo. And... It's just about their dating and their lifestyle and they're all like kind of 20s to late 20s. And uh, it's it's great. I'm addicted to it. I think I've watched of this season, I think I've watched 40 episodes in, how, how many in, are about, in about two weeks. I don't know. It just keeps going. <laughs> you don't care. <laughs> it just do you? keeps going. No, but the brilliance of it is they have this panel of like Japanese kind of reality TV hosts that – that kind of interject in between it and they make jokes about all these people that are dating and stuff. And it's actually really fun. I I absolutely love it. It's brilliant. If if anyone likes reality TV, but they don't love like a lot of those crappy ones you see in the U S the cheap, like the real kind of cheap bougie ones. This is Mm. brilliant. It's it's really cool. I love it. I'm addicted to it. And I'm not, I'm not ashamed to admit that. Uh, Slide the glasses back up my nose. (laughs) And I also finished uh, season three of the Kaminsky method starring Michael Douglas, which of course is that Chuck Lorre show. Um, Really. It's the final season. Won't spoil it, but great ending. I think it ended in the right way. Kind of sad that it did end because I was really enjoying it. I think Michael Douglas was awesome in that. But, uh, you know, for those of you that haven't seen The Kaminsky Method on Netflix, it's right there ready for you to watch. There are three seasons of it. There are only about eight, six or eight episodes a season. Go and watch it. It's brilliant. Brilliant. Brilliant, that. I love it. Kaminsky Method, brilliant. <laughs> um <laughs> So, Phil, uh, have you got any news for us? Oh, I do. I've got some juicy little nuggets. Juicy little news nuggets. It's the um, news with Phil. So the first Give one. Give us your nuggets. The first one is that um, Rob Zombie, the, um, as a lot of people know, metal musician, Rob Zombie. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. He does some really good stuff. But he also obviously dabbles in uh, film directing. Um, yep. More often than not in the horror genre. House of a Thousand um, Corpses. Yeah, House of a Thousand Corpses. Halloween he's remake. Halloween remake. Um, he's done other stuff that I can't remember as well. Hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, but other things. 
Um, mm. But the exciting news is that he's just announced that his next, and I'm really excited about this, his next film project will be an adaptation of The Munsters, the classic what? 1960s supernatural sitcom. <laughs> what? Yeah. This sounds awesome. It does um, sound awesome. Yeah. So he posted this like image on his Twitter and Instagram and stuff of just like the Munsters logo and said like he's, you know, hugely excited. Um, I don't think there's any news on cast or release date or anything like that. Um, but there's, I think it was reported that it might be like a streaming platform film. Okay. Um, but so it is yeah. a film, not a show. It's going to be a, a, a film, I believe. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, a film project, yeah. So, yeah, it's a film project. So that could be interesting. I wonder who'd get to play Herman Munster. I loved that show when I was young. Oh, me too. Yeah, we obviously Brilliant. saw the, the the repeats of that or the reruns of that. Yeah. What's a rerun? Um, <laughs> the, the Monsters was basically, for those of you that don't know, it's an American sitcom that depicted the home life of a family of benign monsters. It was kind of a rival series to The Addams Family. Yeah. Right? It was kind yeah. of on that. That yeah, kind you, of you you macabre. Yeah. Um, but it was a fun kind of com- comedy. So I wonder what he's going to do with it. That could be very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really intrigued to see what they'll do with that. So, And like what kind of budget as well? Because I feel like <laughs> that kind of thing needs a budget. And I can't imagine Rob Zombie handling like a massive budget on a movie, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Someone's going to throw money at it, aren't they? So... Yeah. It says, apparently online, it says that the theatrical release will also be streamed on Peacock. Peacock, which is yeah, a, that was it. Yep. the NBC, um, NBC Universal uh, streaming platform that we have over here. Yeah. Um, but it's also going for a theatrical release. Right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. He's going to write it as well. Yeah. So he said, apparently he's been like wanting to do it for like 20 years. Right. He said it sort of as an idea that he's, he'd really like to sort of, because nothing has been done with that that I know of. You know, there's no. been obviously there was Adam's family films and that long after the um the TV series. Um, although they were still, you know, what well, Adam's family films were like early nineties, weren't they? Mid nineties, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was I think the original Adam's family series was around a similar time, I believe, to the Munsters in the sixties, seventies. Yeah. It was it was, and I think if anything, I don't know about you, but I think I remember the Munsters more than I remember I do. I used to what I used to Adam's enjoy family. the Munsters more than I did. Um, yeah, the uh, yeah, the the Adams family films, but uh, series, but yeah. So no, I'm really I'm really excited about that. It could be good. Who knows? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, what's the other little nugget I've got for you? Oh yes, you've got a lot this of is, nuggets, haven't you? This this one, I, think I love gonna... gold nuggets. <laughs> this one's a keeper. <laughs> this one, I think you're going to really like. So, uh, it has been announced that a Kingpin sequel is in the works from the Farrelly brothers. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. So just when I thought I was munsoned out in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> you go and pull out a fact like that. That's it. Exactly. So if you don't know the original Kingpin film, um, starred Woody Harrelson, uh, and he played like a, he was like a bowling prodigy, uh, called Roy Munson. Uh, and he, like, it shows you in the film that he was, like, tricked into doing a, a job that left him with a crippled hand for the rest of his life so he couldn't bowl anymore. And he sort of, you know, he was down and out. He was an alcoholic and, mm. and stuff. And then he stumbles across um, an Amish bowling phenom, <laughs> Ishmael, played by Randy Quaid. Uh, and they go on, like, a road, like a bow, bowling ro- road trip, don't they? 
Yeah. Um, and it and it it's uh it's also got Bill Murray in it who plays Big Earn McCracken. Big Earn McCracken, yeah, with his amazing like comb over and he's just like <laughs> this really cocky asshole that's a really good bowler. And they yeah. go head to head in this bowling competition. It's just a it's a great Farrelly Brothers comedy. It's just really good. Um so yeah, there's <sighs> So again, there's no there's no scripts, there's no cast announced, anything like that, but it's in active development with the Farrelly's uh, producing at the very least. Yeah. So Wow. That's yeah. wild because you'd think after Dumb and Dumber 2 that they may yeah. have kind of thought we're not going to try. Should Maybe they're going to give it to some other directors, but it would be amazing to see Roy Munson like bang up to speed. I can't imagine them bringing Randy Quaid back because he's he's become a little bit problematic, mm. so to speak. But maybe like... Stick um, his Amish beard back on. <laughs> and his, like and his, his straw blonde hat. Amish beard. And his straw hat. Yeah. What you doing in there, Mr. Munson? Barfin. <laughs> Barfin? Where the hell I get Munson from? <laughs> I love it. What a show. Hmm. Sounds good. So yeah, that's that was two exciting, uh, you know, step ups in original things that we I think we both like. Definitely, definitely, yeah. I'm up for both of those. Good. What have you got for me? What have I got for you? Well, Phil, if I told you, and this is gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna like this. Okay. What if I told you that John Garrett was returning? John Garrett. What would you say? I'd say who the what fuck would you say? Is, who's John Garrett? Would you say who the fuck is John Garrett? Is that what you yeah. just said? Well, Phil. I should, this is someone I should know, isn't it? 100%. Because okay. John Garrett will ultimately save us all. John Garrett, of course, was Gerard Butler's character from the amazing apocalypse movie Greenland that came out oh, end of last year. Oh, that was his character year. name. Okay, all right. <laughs> All right, I'm not. Quite as I didn't even know it. I just, I didn't even know <laughs> okay. it. I just, I was just trying to catch you out. Okay. Um, but I bring you the news that Rick Roman War has confirmed he will return to direct the sequel Ooh. called Greenland Migration. All right. And so, spoiler alert for anyone that hasn't seen the first Greenland, but go and watch it. The original saw Gerald Butler's John Garrett, John Garrett and his family, including his wife, Alison, played by Morena Bakarin, <clears throat> trying to reach the safety of a bunker in Greenland when a comet threatens the Earth. <laughs> and uh, in the follow-up, again written by the same writer, um, John and Alison and their family must leave the bunker and embark on a perilous journey across the decimated, frozen wasteland of Europe to find a new home. So basically, we had, you know, I guess we had a, you know, uh, Armageddon, the first one, and now we have the day after tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say this is basically yeah Armageddon into day after tomorrow. Wait a minute, but there's something ni- neither of those films had. Neither of them had mm. Gerard Butler in there punching a meteor in the face <laughs> and telling true. it to play there's a game be- of fuck off and you go first. There's still so, time. <laughs> There's still time. Maybe they're going to go to Sparta. Maybe they're going to Sparta. <laughs> He's going to kick it down a well. He's going to kick that meteor <laughs> down a giant well. Yeah. That's, that's Sparta. Yeah. Greenland. Kick it down. <laughs> <laughs> and he kicks it. This is Greenland. 
Love that. <laughs> but how 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 on board are you for that? I'm very on board. I, it was. I think that was both one of our sort of surprise hits of last year. Hundred percent. Um, one hundred percent. It's you know it, it's, it's not going to win any awards. Let's put it that way. It well, wasn't I mean, it's going to win film. all of my awards. Yeah, I've all got of all our the awards, awards for it. All of the movie mouth awards. Yeah, uh, it's going to win them. Yeah, so. <laughs> That's planning on shooting next year, and the rights to distribute the, mu- the movie are currently up for sale and are going to be pitched at the next week's Cannes Virtual Market. So we'll oh. find out who's going to pick that one up. Should we know bid? Amazon had some kind of release with it, so maybe they did. Maybe we could buy it. We could bid, yeah. I've got like a fiver and a packet of Skittles. What you they, got? They, they could do that. I've got You've half got lots of gold plated things, haven't you? I've got half a Heineken and um, air conditioning that isn't working very well right now. But you've got things that look expensive because they're all gold. Well, they're not gold. They're just no, no, they no, have some gold, but either coloured to look like gold or they're gold plated. They're like gold plated, yeah. But with the can, least amount of actual gold. Yeah, I think we can convince people. We'll be right. Do you think? Yeah. Here's this afford. old. Here's this old Gretsch guitar and half a Heineken and a packet of Skittles and a fiver. <laughs> can fiver. we have Greenland migration, please? Yeah. With Thanks, Rick. Movie mouth distribution. Yeah. Also, can I take the role of John Garrett, please? I'd like to play him, and Phil's <laughs> going to play the wife. <laughs> I could play the meteor. Oh, you're playing the wife. Oh, okay. All right. I mean, this Bye. is, you know, the 21st century, man. You can play whoever the hell you want. That's true. Um, so there we go. Um, some more positive news for the cinema industry, Philip. Mm. A Quiet Place Part 2 this week that we reviewed on the previous episode uh, posted that it's made more than $178 million at the global box office. Wow. Um, so, which is great. So post-pandemic, I mean, it's still not, you know, billion dollars which you know it could be probably at 500 million by now if it was pre-pandemic times but it's still very encouraging and it shows that the, there is life in the old cinema dog yet mm. um so that's good to see it's also going to be coming to vod internationally soon so you'll be right. able to watch a quiet place part two um and then it's also going to be streaming here on paramount plus in the u.s which is a subscription um so that will be that will be coming on there soon and in other a quiet place news this is awesome They've actually just announced that they're going to produce a third installment, this being a spin-off installment, which will not be directed uh, by the, the original star, in this case, John Krasinski, um, who directed both movies and wrote both movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he has written um, a kind of story for the spin-off, and he confirmed this week that it's going to be written and directed by one of my absolute favorite up-and-coming directors, Jeff Nichols, who, for those of you that remember, directed Take Shelter with Michael Shannon, uh, Loving with Joel Edgerton, Midnight Special with Adam Driver, and Mud with Matthew McConaughey, which was a, mm-hmm. a brilliant movie. Um, heavily influenced by, by Spielberg, very Spielbergian in, in his kind of direction, um, and that's going to be coming out, I'm, I'll probably say, you know, two, three years, I would say, from now. Um, yeah. But apparently the first draft has just been turned in by Jeff Nichols. And according to John Krasinski, it's, it, it's amazing. Okay. So, yeah, if you, you need to go back and watch those, those two movies if you I haven't seen them. I need to watch. The f- I haven't seen any of them. But I, after yeah. your review, I did say to myself, I do want to watch them because they sound really yeah. good. Put them, put them to the top of your list. Brilliant. Yeah, I've only heard good Both things. Both really, really good. Yeah, so really looking forward to this. So that was great. So, Phil, let's jump into some trailers. What uh, what trailers have you seen this week? I hope you've got some interesting ones for us. I do. So the first one is the new um, Ryan Reynolds comedy actioner, uh, Free Guy, which is coming out on August 13th. 
and it's directed by Sean Levy, who he directed um, quite a few episodes of Stranger Things, and he did um, Night at the Museum, Night and the Museum, Real right? Steel, yeah. and yeah, and quite quite a lot of big sort of big budget stuff. Um, so this is about um, Ryan Reynolds. He plays a bank teller called Guy, funny enough, um, and he realizes it, he is a background character in an open world video game called Free City that will soon go offline. What, so like ba- a GTA Grand, Grand Theft Auto type? Yeah, so it's like online. a violent sort of online video game. So ba- basically what it is, this is like, <laughs> this is the film that would pop out, right? If the Truman Show, Ready Player One, and They Live... Uh, had a baby and i say they live because in order to see that it's a game he has to put on like these sunglasses no (laughs) yeah so like it looks like it could be bad but also it looks like it could be a lot of fun there's some quite funny bits in the trailer just like really out there sort of cgi stuff in the trailer you know because it's a game they've got sort of free reign to sort of do what they want um so yeah it's basically truman show crossed with yeah, cross with like Ready Player One. It's really weird, um, mm. but it looks like it could be good fun. I don't know. Have you seen, you haven't seen the trailer at all for this one? Then? I've seen. seen. I saw a trailer a while ago, like over six months ago, but not not a right. recent not a recent trailer. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, if it's out in August, it's not too long. But yeah, so it, yeah, it it's it looks like your typical Ryan Reynolds role, to be honest. Like you know, he's playing that sort of goofy, sort of straight, like snarky. Yeah, yeah, just you know. But he's also playing this really like. Um, He's, he's in the trailer. He's a really nice guy. He doesn't believe anything. He's really helpful, and he's like over the top helpful as a as a game mm. character type of thing. Um, so yeah, it looks like sounds it a bit fun. like the Lego Movie, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all it's a weird concept, but I'm up for it. I'm up for giving that a go. It looks like a good fun yeah. one. Yeah, it's coming on Netflix, right? Is it Netflix in August? I don't think it's Netflix. No, I, I can't remember where it was. Uh, I think it was. Uh, I'll try and find out. Okay. Um, and then the and then the other film trailer that I've got for you. <laughs> Go on. And uh, I actually changed the trailer that I had written down originally for this because this came out only like a couple of days ago. This trailer. So this is for a film called Pig. Now. <laughs> I really hope you haven't heard of this, but it is the, <laughs> it's the new Nicholas Cage. I haven't, film. I haven't heard of this. I avoided okay. it after after you mentioned it because I like to get your spin on these things. Brilliant. Okay, so it's the new Nicholas Cage film. Now, let me just very in two lines summarize the plot for you. Okay, and then I just want to see right. what you think. A truffle hunter who lives alone in the Oregonian wilderness must return to his past in Portland in search of his beloved foraging pig after she is kidnapped. (laughs) Sold. Sold. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I I suggest you do go and watch the trailer. I suggest that everyone goes and watch the (laughs) trailer. What happens in the trailer? Talk us through it. it, Well, he's, you know, he's like living a happy life in the wilderness with his pig. Finding truffles, then uh, it gets kidnapped. <laughs> it gets kidnapped. The pig, and it's got, and it's got one of the most unexpected 
she jumps in the trailer that, that really made me jump in the, yeah, the pig gets kidnapped. So his truffle pig gets kidnapped. Right. And then he goes on like, a, yeah. <laughs> and he sort of goes on like a John Wick, uh, revenge mission after he's trying to find his pig. I mean, um, why wouldn't you? Yeah. But he looks crazy in this. He's got like, his, like straggly hair, like a big beard. <laughs> he looks like a tramp, basically. Beardy weirdy. And he, lo- and he really loves his pig. Yeah. And it's just Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage. <laughs> are you high uh, right now? I just want to ask if you're high right now. I'm not. I'm not. I swear to you, I've not just made up the plot of this film. But it is called Pig. <laughs> and it's out on the 16th of July. Starring Nicolas Cage. 16th of July. Yeah. Let me guess, it's going video on demand. I think so, yeah. I mean, it's a Nicolas Cage film, isn't it? It's a new Nicolas Cage film. Now that DVDs don't exist, it's going to go straight to video on demand. It will be available <laughs> everywhere. You'll have to pay sixteen ninety nine for the pleasure of watching it. <laughs> to watch it in five Um That sounds amazing. I'm going to have to watch that. Just to confirm, by the way, Free Guy, you're absolutely right. It's in only in theatres from August the 13th. 2021. All oh, right. Yes. Okay, good. So that's coming out. That's, by the way, it's got a great cast. Uh, Jodie Comer's in that as well, which is going to be good. Taika Waititi yeah. is always good. So that sounds, I mean, it sounds good on paper, but it's just high concept comedy with budget, high budget. Usually don't mm. work out. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like Land of the Lost, Evan Almighty, all flops. Yeah. Yeah, true. What about, yeah, about Bruce Almighty? That works quite well, right? Wasn't as high concept, high budget as Evan Almighty. It was like a hundred no, million dollars or something. Yeah, yeah. I suppose not. I think this will be a hit. I feel like this is going to be a hit. I mean, Ryan Reynolds is everyone hot, loves Ryan Reynolds. Hot, hot right now. Yeah, yeah. But Hansel's so hot right now. <laughs> um, great. Sounds good. Two amazing movies. To be honest, I want to watch both of them. So <laughs> I'm in. Uh, so for me, I I actually switched it up this week. I saw a TV show trailer, mm. and this. Check out this cast. Okay. So Paul Paul Rudd, not Paul Paul Rudd, but Paul Rudd. Yeah. Will Ferrell, Catherine Hahn, and they are starring in Apple TV's uh, new show called The Shrink Next Door, okay. which is which is written by the writer of Succession, Veep, and The Thick of It, or one of the writers from from those, which is some of my favorite, absolute favorite TV shows. Meaning it's going to be really barbed, farcical, intelligent. Basically, um, it's a kind of reverse of the What About Bob story. And apparently it's based on a true story. It sees um, Paul Rudd as a psychiatrist um, who is basically seeing Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell's paying him for his psychiatric help. Yeah. And apparently um, Marty, who's the the patient, starts to have his life kind of turned around by this therapy. And as the therapy works... He starts trusting the therapist, Paul Rudd, more. And ultimately, Paul Rudd starts taking over the patient, Will Ferrell's life. Mm. Um, so it's 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 kind of set over 30 years. So it's going to be like through a like time span of, a, of, quite, a, of quite a few decades. And we're okay. going to see them age and grow. The trailer, most of the trailer that we we see, if you if you look it up on IMDb or wherever, it's it's mostly set in it looks like kind of 1980s uh new york okay so it's like lots of like thick like wiry frame glasses and like yeah. old police cars and all that kind of thing oh cool um but i'm guessing it's going to jump ahead but they didn't show any of that so i'm i'm 
I'm really looking forward to seeing that. That looks I'm really I'm assuming cool. it's a comedy, right, with those guys in it? It is. It looks like a kind of indie-type comedy. And right. no doubt, it, no doubt it's going to take a while to get going. You know, I mm. think it will probably be, you know, a bit like Succession, which was also, to be honest, when I first sat down to watch Succession, I wasn't sure if that was a comedy. And then eventually it kind of opens up and and becomes quite quite fun. But it looks really bizarre. That comes out, it's a little while off yet, but it comes out on Friday, November the 12th this okay. year uh, on Apple TV Plus, who are starting to churn out some interesting content finally. So yeah. keep keep your eyes peeled for that one. That sounds really cool. All right. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's kind of an Anchorman reunion as well with with Rudd and, uh, and Farrell. So always. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Yes, indeed. That's the show like, next door. I feel like I should mention, I said I, I was going to replace it, but I am going to put this one in there, another another trailer quickly. So I'll do this very quickly. But I think the cast is too good to, to sort of like just wipe it off. And it comes out quite soon. So there's a film called No Sudden Move. I don't know if you've seen oh. this one. Um, check this cast out. Don Cheadle, Benico Del Toro, Ray Liotta, Brendan Fraser, John Hamm, among other lots of other people. Uh, and it's the new um, Steven Soderbergh directed film. Yeah. Uh, so it's set in 1954 Detroit, where some small-time criminals are hired to steal a document. Uh, the heist goes ro- wrong, um, and then they basically search for who hired them uh, and why. And yeah, it looks like a sort of it looks light-hearted but serious as well. But it looks like there's yeah. some going to be some good comedy in it as well. But really good cast, and it looks you know from a really good director. I like a lot of stuff that Steven Soderbergh done. You know, Ocean's Eleven, Solaris, and the Che films and Magic Mike. All that you know, all that stuff. So yeah, you're a big fan of Magic Mike, weren't you? I love to be at Magic Mike. <laughs> <laughs> He's done a lot of good stuff, Steven Soderbergh. But yeah, Magic Mike is actually a great film. Yeah, it's actually a great film. Yeah. Uh, but that's that was no the most uncomfortable movie. eye staring that we've ever done after both of that. <laughs> <laughs> it was like we were both in Nam, wasn't it? We were, you could hear the screams. I could hear the <laughs> I could see Magic Mike with a blowtorch in one hand and sparks flying all over the place. And I could see you enjoying it and I could see me enjoying it. And we both looked at each other and we both feel really uncomfortable now. That's basically yeah. what just happened. <laughs> that is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, no sudden move out July first on HBO Max. Looks really good. Oh, it's HBO Max. Awesome, and that, is, that's yeah. cool as well to hear that Soderbergh's returning to heist thriller as well. Yeah, like yeah. after, as you said, Ocean's Eleven and Twelve and the other one. Oh, that's yeah, right, and 13. the other one. Yeah, um, but no, like uh, that, that does look good. I saw the trailer for it actually. It, yeah, it does. It does look interesting. I love Don Cheadle. Hopefully, he doesn't do a Mockney, oh, God, fake no. English accent in this one. Oh, yeah, no. the old apples and pears. Yeah, apples yeah. and pear or Ruby Murray. <laughs> it was really terrible, that, wasn't it? That it was really thing, bad. Only bad things about the oceans. Really bad. Well, the first two, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Sounds anyway. good. Yep. Nicely done, Phil. All right, well, let's jump into the reviews this week. We've got quite a few big reviews coming out, um, but I'll start off with the, with the only theatrical review of this week's episode. That is In the Heights. This is the new film, or should we say adaptation, of his 2005 stage musical from Hamilton writer, director, star, and genius, yes, I wrote that in caps, Lin-Manuel Miranda, and it's directed by John M. Chu, who you will remember as the director of the massively successful 
Crazy Rich Asians, which came out a few years ago, which was just massive. Um, yeah. So those two amazing superpowers combine here for this musical. In the Heights centers on a variety of characters living in the neighborhood of Washington Heights on the northern tip of Manhattan. At the center of the movie is Uznavi, who's played here by newcomer Anthony Ramos, a bodega owner who looks after the aging Cuban lady next door, pines for the gorgeous girl working in the neighboring beauty salon, and dreams of winning the lottery and escaping to the shores of his native Dominican Republic. Meanwhile, Nina, a childhood friend of Uznavi's, has returned to the neighborhood from her first year at college with surprising news for her parents who have spent their life savings on building a better life for their daughter. Ultimately, Usnavi and the residents of the close-knit neighborhood get a dose of what it means to be home. So for those of you who have seen Hamilton on stage or on Disney+, Plus, which is available to watch now, and if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's brilliant. You won't be surprised to hear that this follows a similar formula. It's songs and dialogue performed in a rhythmic rap verse which allows our cast to spit bars and convey their thoughts in a relatable musical delivery, especially for modern audiences. Uh, the tone is really light, but the setting is claustrophobic, barely leaving the Washington Heights neighborhood except for a one-off mission downtown. And the plot is built around a heat wave in the New York area and counts us down to a climatic power blackout, which may or may not turn the neighborhood on its head. One thing that should be addressed carefully in the conversation about casting on this. So, the cast is made up entirely of wonderful uh, Latin American performers. However, recently there has been questions around the cast appearing to exclude or not represent the large Afro-Caribbean community who reside in Washington Heights. Many apologies have been made by Lin-Manuel Miranda, a Latino himself. However, it does show how significantly times have changed over the last few years when it comes to a racial representation and equality in filmmaking. Here, with a filmmaker... Uh, who is actually trying to represent his own ethnicity, but still not quite getting it right. Yeah. So I will leave that. I will leave that to one side, and I'm going to focus purely on on the film. Sure. Um, in, in the Heights has some amazingly catchy musical numbers, a cast who shines, and some genuinely heartfelt and inspiring moments. It's very saccharine. It's very sugary. Um, it's very fireworks and fun. Um, it's not for the cynics, um, but it's newcomer Anthony Ramos here taking the lead as bodega owner Uznavi. He's such a fresh talent. His his skill in making a sympathetic with his character, um, who has a desire for more in his life, uh, for the heart of Vanessa, who's this girl that keeps coming to the store that doesn't, you know, barely barely notices him. Um, we really and genuinely want to see Uznavi succeed, and we kind of rise and fall and rise and fall with him through the story until the finale. Um, this is, this is not my usual kind of movie. However, after 18 plus months of the global pandemic, it's exactly the kind of message we should all be tuning into be, being good to others, close with family, following our dreams. It may be saccharine, innocent, a little bit naive, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's the type of musical that we all kind of need in our lives at the moment. So don't be so fucking cynical, get your dancing <laughs> shoes on. Get to your local movie theater for a bit of fun and vibrance that we've all been missing really for so long and have a few drinks and just go along with it. Uh, in the Heights is available in cinemas and at home on HBO Max now. Go check it out. Brilliant. Sounds good. I'm up for a dance. Yeah, I'll give it a go. <laughs> Little song and dance. I have to say, honestly, since I since I saw it, 
I've had the In the Heights theme, the, the, the first song in that, in my head constantly. I haven't been able to get it out of my head. It's not my kind of music, kind of salsa and Latin rhythms and that kind of thing. But yeah. I really enjoyed the, the score and the songs are really, really good. And catchy number. Very catchy. And mm. as I said, like if you like Hamilton, you're going to love this. It's not as historically you know, in, entwined into a source material. This has a little bit more flexibility to do whatever it wants. And it's yeah. really visually stunning as well. I didn't, I didn't mention in the review, but, um, but in the Heights, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, uh, Ferrari, uh, Ferrari aside around, you know, the, the casting conversation, um, genuinely think it's worth a watch. So. Brilliant. There you go. Philip, cool. what have you been watching? You've been sitting at home watching things, haven't you? Yes, I have. I've been watching a television series. Oh, tell me more. <laughs> so, yes, this is the um, the Netflix's new apocalyptic fantasy series, Sweet Tooth, season one. Um, it's based on a comic book of the same name by Jeff Lemire and is described by some, and I'd say this is pretty accurate, as Mad Max meets Bambi. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um it's also, um, so this is executive produced by uh, Susan Downey, uh, as well as her slightly well-known um, husband, Robert Downey Jr. Oh. You may know. <laughs> so, yeah, they're both executive producers on this. Um, I've watched the first three episodes of this, um, and I am, unlike a lot of, you know, we try on the movie mouth not to spoil things, but it's very, very difficult for me to talk about this show and especially the first episode without spoiling part of it, okay. I guess, spoiling yeah. it. Because, it, you know, it's a very, the first episode is like just one massive like plot set up. Um, so you might want to at least watch the first episode of this before you listen to the rest of the re- review. But if not, if, you, if you're happy to go ahead. As I said, you know, it's only the first episode um, that sort of spoils anything. But yeah, so... Fair warning, I've given you there. Um, so to set the scene, uh, Sweet Tooth is set um, 10 years after a mysterious virus has swept the globe. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> well. Not human- again. <laughs> humanity has descended into utter chaos and almost everyone has turned into an asshole. <laughs> is um, this sounding depressingly similar or familiar it does sound at all? very accurate. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the asshole part. Uh, Well, this is where it changes, right? So uh, at the same time as the sick, is, as they call it, uh, appeared, all human babies started being born as animal hybrids. This better not be an anti-vaxxation message, I swear (laughs) to God. (laughs) Like a really elaborate one over a whole series. So, yeah, it sounds odd, right? So every, every human baby is born as a animal hybrid um and it sounds odd and that's because it is so <laughs> so in the first episode uh we see how the, uh like the virus and uh, the virus hybrid situation unfolded mm-hmm. and see how the world has turned to utter shit um we meet baby human deer hybrid gus played by christian conbury uh and his father pubba uh played by will forte you may well know. Love yeah. Will Forte. Yeah, he's brilliant. Uh, and watch as they make a home in the forest inside the Yellowstone National Park. 
Uh, we see him grow up over the next 10 years. He learns to, you know, fish and uh, like tap maple uh, maple trees for syrup, hence the nickname and the show's uh, ah. title. Um, his antlers grow uh, along with his deer-like tendencies and they generally seem to be, you know, having a good time, shielded from all the danger that's outside of their, you know, immediate area. Um this soon changes, however, when they are spotted by one of the real men, as they call them, which are a group of violent militia um, that, you know, always seem to feature <laughs> in a post-apocalyptic yeah. drama. You know, you always get like See this crazy group the road. of assholes. Yeah, yeah, basically. Please tell me uh, they don't roast any babies on a, on a campfire like we not, saw in the road. Not so far, not so far. <laughs> um <laughs> Although surely you'd be more likely to if they were like an animal hybrid. They might be a bit more tasty. (laughs) Oh, venison. Wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, they are a group of militia and they basically think that the the hybrids are the ones to blame for the virus. Okay. uh, And they're sort of intent on hunting them down and killing most of them. Um, Now, again, spoiler warning, Pubba is injured and then succumbs to the sick. Uh, and again, this is all within like the first sort of 20 minutes, half an hour of the first episode. Okay. Um, uh, and he, whilst he's defending the home from an, an attack that happens, Gus fends for himself or tries to, and he's not very good at it. Um, and that is until he's saved from um, another guy, <laughs> another real man, <laughs> as they call him, uh, who who is called Jep, and he's played by Nonso Nosy. Um, Jep. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. Awesome. I like he's him. Brilliant. He was in um, that really bad uh, movie that we watched, which I will remember later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But he's a great actor. Yeah, yeah he's, gr- he's great in this. Um, um, so Jep reluctantly becomes his protector, and the rest of the series seems to be it's structured around their sort of road trip across the US uh, to Colorado where Gus hopes to find his mother. So there's a couple of side stories set up in the first, you know, as I said, I've watched the first three and there's a couple of side stories set up that are intertwined throughout the first three episodes and, you know, sort of start gaining a bit of traction. The first being of um, Dr. Singh uh, played by Adil Akhtar, who you may know, um, and he's attempting to prolong the life of his wife, who's been like a long-term sufferer of the sick and is being helped uh, by a secret serum, which he needs to work out how to produce when his supply runs low. Um, now, I must say my initial thought of this, because I knew nothing about it when I started watching it. You know, you, you suggested, you know, try this series. It looked cool. I like the sort of, you know, apocalyptic fantasy stuff. I thought, as soon as it starts and it's about a global like pandemic where everyone starts dying, I was like, Oh bloody hell. Do we really, do we really need a show based around a virus that's wiped out the population right now? Um, But I will say that I've really enjoyed the first three episodes. Um, It's not without its faults there, but there are some really nice visuals in it. Good CGI work. Um, yeah, some beautiful because it's as I said, it's set around that sort of Yellowstone National Park. But you mm-hmm. know, there's a lot of like apocalyptic visuals, you know, decayed buildings and stuff. Just some really nice looking CGI stuff. Um, lots of 
nice sort of it's gritty and it, it um but it's got lots of nice touches of humor uh and it's although it's yeah it's probably aimed at an audience on the younger side of things it still can be okay. pretty violent in places as well mm-hmm. uh performance wise i think uh christian convery who plays gus is really good and for an 11 year old his acting credits are ridiculously impressive already if you look him up on imdb he's starred alongside some <laughs> very good actors um and he's yeah he's really good um uh so i and i really i like watching the on-screen relationship between him and jep because they're just like you know he's just really annoyed by this annoying kid who doesn't know how to function you know he's a kid with antlers and deer ears and he just doesn't know how to because he's been living in the forest his entire life he just doesn't know how to Mm. function especially when they travel out of the forest and you know get into places where everyone is basically programmed to hate the hybrid kids so yeah it's really interesting watching their relationship um so yeah you can just see the exasperation pouring off of jep when he's uh on the road with him uh i've still got some reservations about how the series will pan out um but i'll definitely be carrying on and as, i think it's eight episodes in the first season yeah um so if you can overcome the fact that you're watching a show about a subject that hits pretty close to home at the moment but with some fantasy thrown in i would urge you to give it a go uh, Sweet Tooth season one is available to stream on Netflix now. Jolly good show. <laughs> Jolly good show. I might have to watch that old boy. Give it a go. I must I admit like when it. it, when it, when it came to figure out who was going to review what, and as you said, I was like, do you want to check out this, um, this, uh, kids movie about a virus that sweeps over the world? And I'm going to go and watch in the Heights, a happy go lucky <laughs> musical. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take one for the movie mouth team. <laughs> Sounds good though. It does sound really good. So I'm I'm definitely down to uh, to check that one out. Yeah. Thanks for that, Phil. Um all right. Should we stay with the small screen? What do you think? Let's do it. Let's do it. Why not? And why not? So staying with the small screen, we're gonna go to Disney Plus, who have just released their third Marvel MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe connected show this year. And this one is called Loki, starring Tom Hiddleston. So this follows Loki, the god of mischief, here stepping out of his brother Thor's shadow to embark on an adventure that takes place after the events of Avengers Endgame, a movie that, Phil, you still haven't seen, but the rest of the entire world has. (laughs) Um, It's true. The pressure is, is continuing to rise on this. Yeah. The show consists of six episodes, but this review focuses on just the first two so far as they're releasing them every Wednesday. So unlike Sweet Tooth on Netflix, they're still dripping these out one after the other, one after the other. I think that's um, good. Which is, yeah. I it's think annoying so like, because people have become impatient now, but I think they do that with like break, um, Better Call Saul on Netflix. They don't release yep. it all at once. You've got to wait a week for the next episode. And I, I like it. It drags it out. Otherwise, you just binge it and then it's done. But at least yeah. you get to look forward to something. And and interestingly, uh, Disney Plus today actually said that they had they were releasing their episodes of, I think, The Mandalorian and the other MCU shows. They were releasing them on Fridays. Okay. Um, but they said that releasing them on Wednesdays, they've actually seen something like 2.5 five times the amount of people watching them. I'm not surprised. So 
Yeah. yeah. So I think it's like they release something on a Friday. People are probably out. They're probably busy, you know, especially coming into a post pandemic, you know, circumstance. So people can do stuff again. Yeah. People can do stuff again. So these are coming out every Wednesday on, on Disney plus. Um, so Tom, St- Tom Hiddleston, obviously reprising his role as Loki from the film series. It's also stars Gugu Mbatu Raw, uh, Wenmi Mosako, Eugene Cordero, Tara Strong, Sophia DiMartino, Sasha Lane and Owen Wilson. Oh. It's set in the aftermath of the Avengers stories so far, here based mainly within the 1970s aesthetic doll office of the Infinity Stoned, or should that be on steroids, Time Variance Authority, the TVA. Okay. It's a story, its storytelling is more of a comedic. Uh, kind of um, really out there, creative show. And it's mainly so far a double play between Tom Hiddleston and his his captor, who here is uh, Owen Wilson, uh, who playing Mobius M. Mobius. Good name. Um, and Owen Wilson plays this with a really kind of knowing and patronizing aesthetic um, when coming up against Tom Hiddleston. This is produced and directed by Kate Heron, a virtually unknown British director, uh, real British talent, who has so far had really great form directing various episodes of Netflix's Sex Education, which mm-hmm. if you haven't seen that, is a really good young adult series focusing on a sex therapist and her son who becomes an in-school sex therapist, which is very funny. And also the other Netflix show, which is Daybreak, a post-apocalyptic kind of show focusing again on, on young adults. She's directed a few of those those episodes. She, Kate Heron, actually loved the Loki character before this. She wasn't in the running to direct it. But in listening to a rival film podcast, um, she actually she actually, she actually announced that she the way she got the job is she just hounded and hounded and hounded people. She wrote a 40-page um, notebook about all of the things that she wanted to have in the show that she saw the character going. She met with Tom Hiddleston and eventually Kevin Feige, who runs Marvel Studios, said, we'll take a meeting with you. And she won the meeting and now she directs every single episode. It's a really inspiring story. And I'll tell you what, she is crushing it. This, the, the way this is directed, the tone, the pace, the, uh, the cinematics, uh, the photography, everything, even the production value, it is brilliant. I, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, this, re- this review could focus on some key spoilers, which I'm not going to do. Um, I'm going to simply focus on three things. So Kate Heron's assured directing, really stylish setting, clear talent, great visual gags, moments of awkwardness that play off really well with, you know, Tom Hiddleston, who's also British and has that awkwardness about him when he's, you know, found out to be wrong or, or whatever it may be. Mm. Um, Tom Hiddleston, delivering yet another complete performance as the sly Loki, the God of mischief here. We see him out of uh, his depth. We see, we see, you know, basically, um, you know, a God from Asgard um, who has tried to take over earth as we saw in the first Avengers movie um, and has gone through various motions throughout the, the MCU movies. We see him here, a captive and having to, coerce with an agency, an interplanetary agency or a, a higher power um, to have to solve a crime. Okay. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. So Sons of the, the Lambs ab- meets Men in Black. 
Kind of, yeah. It's very Men in Black. It's very okay. Men in Black. That's a very good way of putting it. But yeah. No, it's a that is the perfect way of summing it up. Science allows me men in, makes Men in Black. Um, the the absolute casting masterclass of bringing in Owen Wilson as Agent Mobius, mm. who is less than impressed by Loki's assertions of God status. Um, kind of casting everything he says off as really puny pathetic or delusions of grandeur you know oh okay how does that work out for you oh that sounds good mm. that kind of thing you know it's, yeah. it works really well and just like at the end of the first avengers movie seeing loki be demeaned talked down to or utterly impotent is where tom hiddleston really comes alive with that yeah. pomposity you know um yeah. and that's i think where the secret of loki's success not just in the show but i think as a character who essentially was a villain and has now become the the kind of foil for this show. Um, mm. So, so far, Kevin Feige and Marvel have given us the puzzle book of WandaVision, um, the often muddled but fun Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but it's with Loki where the true difference between Marvel adventures on the small screen can really excel, tying us clearly into the overarching MCU plotline, which is really important here, with little cast-offs, little jokes, little side you know things that you see and you're like, oh, okay, uh, that's that now that's, that's what happened. Um, and also they give us in Loki, they give us more of what we want from the characters that we love seeing more of them in an environment that we, that will get the best out of them. And for that reason, Loki gets a massive recommendation from me and it's available globally every Wednesday, uh, for six episodes, two out already on Disney plus go check it out. Marvel fans. Cool. Watch uh, Endgame first. <laughs> I think you should watch them all again. The problem all is all of them again. The problem I've got is that you know I do want to watch them, and I will. But I'm just getting never-endingly like buried in a pile of Marvel that like just keeps getting released, yeah. and I just can't. I, I'm I just get I can't can't catch up. The more you watch Once Upon a Time in Mexico or Commando, the more you're getting buried. It's <laughs> <laughs> basically what you're saying. You shut up! I wanted to watch. Just- I want to play Love it. Uh, yeah. But you should though. catch up. Loki's really good. It's, it's, it's got a real, the, st- the stylistic nature to it, like the little physical gags, little things like that. This whole yeah. like weird, surreal TVA setting. Um, yeah, it's really cool, man. It's a, good, it's a good show. Go check it out, everybody. All right, Phil, I think it's time for this. Hello there. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. I'm, um... <laughs> Am I working in the like shop you're... or are you coming in? I don't know. <laughs> oh, we've just, we've not discussed this at all, have we? Maybe we both work here. It's our first day and we work, we're oh, unsure. Okay. It's like that time we where's your uniform in, in that shop? case? If we both work here, where's your uniform? I've got a name badge on. I'm too new. It's my first day. Oh. Oh, no. You do have a name badge. What does it say? Riley Hale. <laughs> Can you see mine? Oh yeah, what does yours say? Yours says her uh, Vic Deakins. You can yeah, call me Deke. Deke. Okay, cool. You can call me Hale. Oh, Deacon Hale. All right. I'm punching out. <laughs> Good old Deacon Deke. Hale. Big old Deke. Oh. So I would like to rent something. Right. And I think this week, as part of this video, weird video store corner sensation that seems to happen on the Movie Mouth podcast, I feel like this week. It ties into our last 
Movie Mouth Podcast special, which was The Rock 25th Anniversary, available now on all good podcast players of your choice. Yes, I would like to rent the 1996 John Woo cinematic action masterpiece, Broken Arrow. Broken Arrow. Have you got it? I've got it. I do. Oh, thank God. <laughs> we do have it. You can watch it at your leisure. Uh, do you know what? Right. I'm going to say. If you say you've never seen this. I, gonna... I, I honestly swear to God, when you said let's do Broken Arrow for Video Store Corner, I said, oh, yeah, I think I've seen that. I, I was sure that I'd seen it at some point, but I couldn't remember, I couldn't remember much about it. Right. Uh, having watched it for this, I can tell you now, I've definitely not seen it. Wow. Which I was shocked by. Wow. Like, I'm sure I'd seen it. Like, I knew about it. I knew who was in it, but I'd never seen Don't it. Don't tell me your reactions to it yet. No, no I won't. I want to get to that. Okay. But wow. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Because for me, this is another one. This was like The Rock. It was like Mortal Kombat. It was like all these movies that came out mid-90s. Yeah. That I absolutely love. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, also 25 years old, must be selling it, uh, celebrating its 25th anniversary this year as well. It's crazy. Don't, That's because you're, you're just aging me. Phil, tell yeah. us about the plot. Well, <laughs> okay, I can sum this up quite quickly. <laughs> Major Vic Deakins, that's John Travolta, holds the US government to ransom by stealing a nuclear warhead and threatening to detonate it in a major city. His co-pilot, played by Christian Slater, Riley Hale, uh, and a park ranger, played by Samantha Mathis, attempt to thwart his plans. Now, there's a lot more to go into on this, so... (laughs) I'm gonna let you. Uh, I'm gonna let. You, I'm gonna set you off because you know, you know, you know this film. The first thing I've I would it. say about that plot summary is yeah. how similar it sounds to the other masterpiece. Yeah, The Rock. Well, this is the thing, right? One of my main observations for this film is that it is The Rock, but not as good. <laughs> right. But it's still, right. I'm not saying it's not good. I mean, whoa there. But it was also released in 1996. It's got a Hans Zimmer soundtrack, yep. which is really good, by the way. Really, really good. good. You know, and the music's used in the same way as it is in The Rock. It's really loud. Exactly over like the, the action, like used in exactly the same way. Um, it's about someone in the military that has stolen missiles. <laughs> It also features, now did, you must have picked this up, but it also features Raymond Cruz, uh, and he plays, uh, people might recognize him as um, Tuco Salamanca from Breaking Bad, but yep. he also plays one, he plays a good guy, like an American officer in this very small part, but he was in The Rock as well, as one of yep. the bad, well, the military guys, but one of the bad uh, mercenaries, wasn't he? Yep. So I thought that was a pretty cool uh, Rock Broken Arrow link going He's on. He's actually there. the same character. It's a shared universe. <laughs> yeah. And then the last thing, well, it, this also involves someone dying in a hilarious way that's exactly the same as The Rock as well. Almost exactly the same as The Rock. But let's, exactly. come, on let's come on to that. But let's yeah, come on to that. Let's come on to that. Because I've got a lot to say about that. that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to blurt that one out. Don't be such a dummy, Phil. We'll come on to that later. <laughs>
<laughs> yes. Um, so this this is ba- this basically we see John Travolta as as Vic Deacons and and uh, Christian Slater as Riley Hale. Um, they're kind of a uh, an odd couple pairing, aren't they? They they their characters are very well defined. Vic Deacons is the kind of all knowing major who is the kind of chief pilot of the B3 bomber that they fly across the Utah desert like at night for no apparent mm-hmm. reason. Yeah. Um to avoid the scanners of Delroy Lindo. And <laughs> right. uh Christian and Christian Slater is Riley Hale. He is the kind of co-pilot. He's also, you know, not as um well decorated, exonerated as um as John Travolta's character mm-hmm. and John Travolta is constantly trying to teach him lessons, isn't he? Like from the Putting very him down all the time, isn't he? He's right puts awesome. him down from the outset. He's a, he's an arrogant, um, you know, some would say narcissist. He's a prick, and he's an absolute prick. John Travolta in this, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's an absolute <laughs> prick. prick. Which one of the characters do you think I'd be, and which one do you think you'd be? Phil? <laughs> do we really need to say? <laughs> um, moving on. So, but no, let's I, put it I, this way: I would be, I would beat you in a boxing match. Which would go against the character description. No, I do the I do the rope dope on you, mate. There's no way you'd the rope dope. It's true, you might do the rope dope on me, and and then I'd smoke cigarettes and blow them in your face in the locker room afterwards. <laughs> so, it's not all Top Gun, doesn't it? This film, it's very Top Gun. I, I, I tell you what, I do like. Speaking of Top, I like the top down view of the camera as it descends. That was over really the ring cool. That was really cool. Yeah, as they're boxing, I and you've got the black outline it. of the ring, and it's just. Coming in and it's cutting to them punching and John Woo does a good visual, some good visuals on this. Mm -hmm. Um, It was on a $50 million budget. So there's some good effects in it. There's a lot of model work as well in this. Mm -hmm. Um, But we, we see them having this, this great boxing fight uh, where, you know, you say great, but it doesn't look that good, does it? No, it doesn't look that, it doesn't look that good. It's just, there's a lot of, they're talking a lot. Yeah, you never really see boxers talking, do you? And they're talking a lot that whole time. Yeah, they're talking a lot. Yeah, but it, this is this starts out with this twenty bet twenty dollar wager that they they seem to have throughout the whole film, and he puts twenty dollars on it, and he loses his money. Then it cuts to the locker room where we see Christian Slater um, is kind of just fresh out of the shower, and he takes his twenty dollar note over to over to Deakins, and we just see uh, Vic Deakins, John Travolta in a cloud of smoke just blowing his cigarette smoke ash breath all over the locker room <laughs> people are showering and they've just finished sport <laughs> he's like smoking all over the place he smokes and it's like throughout the entirety of this film like he's, he's constantly smoking john travolta yeah i feel like he was like sponsored by big tobacco or something or like they something like that but they never do i thought they must mention a brand of cigarette at some point during this because it's mm. <laughs> but they don't he mentions a brand of something but we'll come on to that he does yeah but um he also holds his cigarette in the strangest way i've ever seen someone hold a cigarette <laughs> like he sticks out he's like he's holding it but he sticks out his little finger all the time he does he's like, he does like so a- it's between his two fingers with his thumb up, so he's doing like the metal sign, but with like with the with he's basically the doing the metal thing. horns, but with the cigarette like between the, the two between two fingers. Yeah. This 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 explanation works really well on podcasts. I can tell should, you that. Yeah, we should. Do, but, we are both. We are actually both doing it right now. We're both screen. doing it. We're both talking to each other while doing it, and we look completely insane. Yeah, but what I, we just look like we're sniffing <laughs> we screenshot this. Um, what what I would say. 
<laughs> I'm going to tip. All right, we'll put that on our Instagram. Yeah. Um, so, but what I would say is that if you want to know what this is about, go watch the movie. If you haven't seen Broken Arrow and you want to know how John Travolta smokes cigarettes, watch mm. Broken Arrow right now. It's worth watching it. Just um, but we find out this bet. He takes the $20. I love how Christian Slater walks up to John Travolta and he takes the $20 note out of his pocket. And he's like, you know, you, you won this one, Deke. You know, he's like, hey, you know, you won this one. And he's like, oh, yeah, don't keep your money. He's like, it's not my money. I stole it out of your wallet when you're in the shower. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And you're just like, these two, like they, they're going to banter. We then see them in a briefing room and for no apparent reason, they jump into a, into a bomber plane and fly through the desert yeah. to try and avoid the scans. It's like a test flight. And they have, a, they have, again, for no reason, two nuclear warheads on a test flight where they're trying to avoid scanners, yeah. um, which, they, which they then fly through. Effects are awesome, aren't they? Uh, yeah, actually quite good. Yeah, um, considering the, the the age. Yeah, they are actually pretty good in some yeah. ways. No, they are. Like, there's some really good scenes where they sort of cut to the exterior of the bomber and they zoom into the cockpit and they're sort of both in there. You know, it's not just yeah. like a, some dummies or anything. It's like, it looks good. <laughs> sort of. We'll get to that. Um, yeah. but, but but yeah, no, I love, I I, I do love the, the effects in, in that. And and then, of course, you know, they, they end up having a fight in the cockpit. Well, that's because and Deakins turns, he turns, doesn't he? He changes. Deakins just turns. Like they're having like a normal conversation. And then John Travolta like <laughs> looks at him, doesn't he? And it's like this close up. It's zoom into, the into most John incredible Travolta's. thing that I laughed at. It's like, like Nosferatu. Weird... Yes. <laughs> it's like, it just zooms in like really quickly onto John Travolta's eyes. And yeah. you can see he's now evil. <laughs> He is. He just changed. You're like, his turns, oh no, he? Deacons, what have you done? Yep. Uh, betrayal. And, he, and he's he like, dies. take a look out of the old uh, window there. Is that, uh, is that mountain range supposed to be on the other side? And Christian Slater's just like, what? And he like, looks out the window. <laughs> and as he looks, his dumb Christian Slater looks out the window, his dumb face looking out the window. We see, we see John Travolta pull out the shiniest pistol that so you could shiny. ever see. Yeah, you yeah. don't want to be concealing Polish. a shiny pistol like that because you and and obviously Christian Slater clearly sees this extra shiny pistol that John Travolta's had in the reflection in the window, and he kind of turns to stop him as John Travolta's about to blow his brains out, and they have a big scuffle, a big fight, and yeah. eventually uh, John Travolta overpowers him and ejects Christian Slater out of the the plane, and then steals the plane, drops some drops the nukes. And they land safely somewhere. Yeah. Oh, no, they don't. He doesn't drop them, does he? Uh, they're in the wreckage, aren't they? Oh, no, he the ejects them. No, he ejects them, yeah. And he they parachute them. down, don't they? We're made to believe they're in the wreckage. Yes. So yeah. he ejects out Slater. He ejects out the nukes. And then he mutters the immortal line, I'm punching out, Hale's lost it. And then yes. flames it on Christian Slater and then ejects himself. And that's where the plot then begins. Wow. What a first ten minutes there is! Exhilarating though, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, exhilarated by that. A lot happens in the first. 10 they don't minutes make the movies film. like that anymore. As simple as that, it's they could such just roll the credits after that. <laughs> they could. <laughs> could it done? It'll be fine. I'm glad they didn't. No, me too. Me too. So, so we we see we see John Travolta landing to safe landing to safety. We see the nukes landing to safety. John Travolta then teams up with a gang, a group of, of mercs and money people 
who want the nukes mm. in order to sell them and not actually detonate them. Yeah. And uh, we also see Christian Slater w- waking up in the desert, uh, still attached to his parachute. There's a really cool scene there, actually. Where he's like still at- he's getting dragged across the yeah. He's like, like awake. Yeah, he wakes up and he's sort of being dragged by the desert wind by his parachute. Yeah. 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 But I love how I love how he just kind of wakes up, detaches his parachute, pulls another twenty dollar note out of his pocket. And then he puts it under a rock and goes, <laughs> looks up at the looks up at the sunrise and goes, "You won this round, Deke." <laughs> like you'd do that, you wouldn't be like, "You fucking asshole!" You just ejected me out of a. Bomber. He'd be like, "Where the fuck am I? What is going on?" Yeah. We then see Samantha Mathis, yeah. who appears. She's a kind of park ranger, isn't she? Yeah. What are your um, memories of Samantha Mathis, by the way, from the nineties? You know exactly what my memories are. Go on. <laughs> you know- the absolutely brilliant and absolutely awful Super Mario Brothers movie from 1992, I think, or three. Starring Bob Hoskins and we John We need Leguizamo. to do a video store corner on that film. Yes, we do. Coming next. It could be <laughs> next. It could be the next. Mathis, the Mathis double bill. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but Pump Up the Volume, as my wife said, is like one of her favourite films. She's yeah. also in Pump Up the Volume with um, Christian Slater as well. Um which is a good, which is a pretty good film. I enjoy that. But yeah, she, and they've got good chemistry best. in this, haven't they? They've got good. Yeah, chemistry. very good. Yeah, and she's yeah. really good. There's a couple of bits of trivia about her later on, which I, well, I'll just go into it now. But apparently, she did a lot of her own stunt work in this. Oh, really? Um, like she was quite jumping ins- onto the Humvee roof and stuff like that. Yeah, I think she was quite insistent on doing a lot of her own stunt work mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've got possibly a little bit more about that later on in the oh, trivia possibly. section of the recorder. Love it. Yeah. Um, here's what I want to know. So Samantha Mathis turns up, park ranger. Why does she pull a gun on Christian Slater? He's wearing the military. United States Air Force, you know, regalia, badges, stars and stripes, parachute. He's injured. Yeah. Why does she pull a gun on him? Nerves, maybe. But yeah, you're right. He's clearly in the military <laughs> and he's just crash landed, at, at, you know, and injured from a parachute fall. Um, yeah. I don't know why. Also, why did she walk that far away from her car? She did walk a long way from the car. What She didn't just drive up to, but he was kind of on the rocks, wasn't he? Yeah, but it took her ages to get back with him. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> That's very true. Bloody ages. They have a little scuffle, don't they, in the, um, yeah. in the desert? Which is quite good, actually. Yeah. We then see, they, they kind of, you know, he kind of earns her trust. He takes the gun and she says, oh, it's not loaded. And then he's like, oh, whatever, it's loaded. And then he gives her the gun. He's like, would a, yeah. would a bad guy do this? And he gives her the gun. It then cuts to, for me, what is one of the best character introductory sequences, even though he's already been introduced. Oh, yeah. In, in living history. Yeah, it's amazing. And that is... Um, it cuts to one of the the kind of the money men in the desert waiting with their Humvees, looking for for John Travolta for Deakins. They're at kind of an approximate rendezvous point. Yeah, and he says, "Is there any sign of Deakins? Maybe the son of a bitch is dead." We then hear what can only be described as the most echoed out um, additional dialogue of John Travolta saying, "Yeah, of John Travolta saying." What a, what a terrible, terrible thing, thing to say. 
And then you hear the, the Hans Zimmer score with the guitar. Burn, 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 burn. Burn, 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 burn. And John Travolta appears from behind a rock and just walks in slow motion in his aviator sunglasses, seemingly unscathed from the ejection. Just walks up towards... Yeah, with a cigarette, of, of course, smoking a cigarette. He then walks up like past everyone. He doesn't even acknowledge the people that are there waiting for him. No. And he walks up and he almost looks directly into the camera lens during this whole scene and says, care for a Coke or something? And then he walks <laughs> to the back of a Humvee, opens a flap, pulls out a Coke, and just guzzles it in the desert. Yeah. With the music still playing. Yeah. I mean, he clearly is a, bit, a better time than Christian Slater, isn't he? I mean, John Travolta came off a lot better from this movie just for that scene. The best thing is he was he was hiding behind that rock. Of course he for, was. He was waiting for, for him to say for that something, part. yeah, so he could retort. Yeah, because he was he is that kind of character as well. One hundred percent. That guy who says that line, it's like maybe he's dead or something. That you know, that's um, that's Bob the Warden Gunton. from from the Shawshank. Yeah, Redemption. the Warden from the Shawshank Redemption. You know what? He was obtuse in the Shawshank Redemption, and he's fucking obtuse in this as well. Yeah, but he, he gets so he gets his comeuppance, doesn't he? Yeah, Mr. Pritchard. Are you talking about Mr. Mr. Pritchard? Pritchard? Mr. Pritchard. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Mr. Pritchard. Yeah. yeah, Mr. Pritchard. Hush, Mr. Pritchard. Hush. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's an incredible re-entrance of a character. It's yep. amazing. Um, Agreed. Yeah. While they're trying to find that, that bomber, by the way, just another character uh, that I noticed. Um, did you notice who the radar guy was that along with Delroy Lindo, the movie mouth favorite, if we featured in so many Our movie uh, mouth favorite Gomb- Delroy yeah. Lindo. Yeah. He's been in almost every episode, I think. <laughs> um, we love did him. Did you notice that it was a very, very quick, uh, cut yeah. to, like, the guy mount like donning the radar and sort of relating back to, I remember uh, it was someone that I, that I knew who was yeah, it? It was the, it was the guy, it was, um, French Stewart from third rock from the stun. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very yeah. brief. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 sir, we've, we've got something on the radar. Uh, <laughs> he, can't, he can't see it because he's got his eyes closed. Like the entire Why was I was speaking? Closed in from the sun. Why were his eyes closed? Don't know. No one knows. No. He's an he was also in Stargate, wasn't he? He was in Stargate. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Another yeah. video store corner review that you can go back and check out. Brilliant. Um, this got some amazing stunts in it. Let's go. Let's talk about the stunts for, for a minute. Yeah, this is where this is where we see um, a Huey helicopter that goes after Hale. Yeah, Christian Slayer. Just to kind of talk us through that whole that whole piece. Yeah, so it's really cool. So they uh, find out they're alive, um, and yeah, they order like Deacons like, orders a helicopter, doesn't he, to like take off because they've got like helicopters and stuff, of course. Mm. Um, <laughs> gets one to take off to like go and find them. Um, and you and, see but, it actually just take off right behind John Travolta. Yeah, it's just behind the camera. It's really cool. Uh, it's not yeah, oh, green yeah. screen. It's like no, real. No, it's properly done. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It takes off, and it's like one of those quite like agile. It's really sort of agile, um, nimble like helicopter, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it takes off, and it um, goes after them. And just as um, Hale and uh, the warden, what's her character name? Ter- Terry Carmichael is the character of. Um, Samantha Mathis, just as they're getting back to her Jeep, like car to sort of go and radio for help or whatever, the helicopter finds them. So they sort of dive, you know, and it has this really cool scene where it sort of appears over the edge of the cliff yeah. and then just starts 
peppering her with bullets, you know, just sort of like flying right near it. You know, takes out the um, takes out the car completely. They dive down behind a like a ravine type thing and roll down mm. like a uh, yeah, like this hill slope. Yeah, yeah, and then they start to climb up. Um, <laughs> it's really cool, actually, isn't it? Yeah, because then they they're basically trying to fire and they climb up this little sort of rocky. Uh, like rock face and there's a gap in the rocks and, and yeah. Hale's like, Oh, give me a, give me a gun sort of thing. Um, and he's trying to shoot at them and, you know, just, she's got, just got like a service revolver, isn't she? With like six, yeah, bullets like a, a, yeah. six shooter. Yeah. And, uh, and then there's like a little gap, like it's well framed, like in the rock, isn't there? There's like a gap mm. that you can see the helicopter through, like looking at them. And she sort of, you know, is really brave and she sort of just runs up there to try and distract them saying he's like, you know, he's not here. He's like, he's dead yeah. or whatever. Um, and then he like does the, it's like, it's so John Woo, isn't it? Like, yeah, he just like, you know, cuts him like looking down the barrel of the gun, fires it through this gap in the rock and like manages to like take out the pilot, the pilot. Didn't he, with like yeah. some amazing shot from like 200 yards into it oh, yeah. from the bottom of a ravine to the very yeah. top of it. Yeah. 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 And then, yeah, obviously causing, a huge explosion. Uh, but it's really cool. It's a really good scene, actually. Really good stunt, that. Outstanding hail. That's the spirit. I, um, <laughs> yeah. I love it. I think, and also the fact that you've got that real helicopter flies, you said, through the canyon, and it's really low to the ground in a mm. canyon, and you yeah, can so see amazing. the stunt performers. Uh, amazing. Yeah. Really, like, some of the last, you know, before CGI took over, some of the last big stunts in this. Yeah, definitely. I thought yeah. were awesome. I yeah. really, really enjoyed them. Yeah, um, some really good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we then see, obviously, they go on the on the trail of of Deakins, who yeah. who obviously picks up the nukes. Um, there's a lot of like kind of uh, Pentagon conversations, boardroom, war room conversations in this, like The Rock as well, aren't there? There is, yeah, definitely. Um, um, fe- featuring um, oh, what's his name from RoboCop? Oh, uh, uh, the bad guy in RoboCop. Um, I can't remember his name. It's, yeah, uh, Kurt. Um, I'll find out. No. What's his name? The bald guy. He's like an arsehole in, in the original. Yeah, he's Red Foreman from that '70s show as well. Yes, yeah, he is. Um, I forgot he was in there. Dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Give that man a hand. <laughs> it's Kurtwood Smith, I think. It just came to me. Oh, is that his name? Okay, right. Yeah, Kurtwood yeah, Smith. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. Right. So. So he's yeah he's there in the Pentagon isn't he? And you've got Frank Wally as well. Frank Wally is in that he's in that John Cusack role from Con Air. You remember yes. when like he he finds out what's going on and he jumps in a car and he goes to the scene and he yeah. gets all the way there, doesn't he? Frank Wally he go he figures everything out. He goes to meet Delroy Lindo. He does all that stuff. They go into the into the airstrip and then when he's about to go into the field and then it just story just ends. Yeah, it's just you like never his see him again. Has no point anymore. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I've got, I've got six weeks field training. He's like, oh really? He's like, yeah. I wish I was going with you. The end. And then you never see him again. You, it's <laughs> like he's building up to him. It's reminded me of The Shining when you see that guy that goes when when um, when the little kid Danny Torrance is doing the shine, and the guy goes to find him, and he takes, spends the whole movie Thanks going like, to find him, oh, and then. <laughs> Jack Nicholson just puts an axe straight through his belly and you're like, just what? What was the whole point? Yeah. He's been on a plane, in a car, long car journey, got into some yeah. snowplow thing, turned up dead. Same Brilliant. thing happens in this, except he, you don't even see him die. We just don't ever find out what happens. So, yeah. And you may know him, a lot of people will know him also with John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. 
from a couple very of years true. earlier. Yeah, very true. He yeah. plays Brett in the uh, sort of that yeah. very cool scene. Uh, yeah, with, a spray. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. may I have Amazing. some of this beverage to wash this down? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. He gets the Ezekiel speech, doesn't he? He's the one that gets he the does. Ezekiel speech. Yeah, yeah. Fun fact, as an aside from the Ezekiel speech, uh, uh, my first band that I was in, a metal band, uh, at the beginning of one of our songs, we used the Ezekiel speech as a sample. Oh. At the beginning You're probably going to get sued for that now, now you've said that. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were like 16 at the time. We had no idea of copyright. <laughs> that's cool. <though. laughs> but we like, that's cool. Let's use it. Yeah. That's very cool. Um so yeah, I mean, you know, this movie kind of pans out. It goes into it goes into all kinds of different directions from this point on. They go into uh, they, there's a kind of Humvee chase through the desert. Another Humvee chase. Yeah, uh, I'm only this, borrowing this... your Humvee. <laughs> <laughs> only borrowing your Humvee, Mister Pritchard. Um, and then uh, they go to a mine, and Christian Slater then arms a nuclear weapon and sets it off. He does. <laughs> he didn't want to. But he well, does, but he did. He did, and he, he, he takes out half into, of the Utah he? desert. He gets tricked. Butterflies, into butterflies after a nuclear weapon—that's a good thing. <laughs> butterflies are good. Um, yeah, he thinks he's being all clever, doesn't he? Christian, he does. Christian Slater. And then he just gets mm. taken down a peg by getting yeah, tricked into right. arm the nuclear weapon. <laughs> yeah, he arms a nuclear weapon. I love it how they get to that mine shaft, and he puts the the active nuke in the mine cart, and he leaves the other nuke just by the elevator. And there's loads yeah. of room in that mine cart for two nukes. Because he wanted to bury the other nuke with the other one and let it blow it up underground and then bury the other one. But they just leave yeah. it by the elevator and they put the other one in the mine cart and they're like, oh, we'll leave that one there by the elevator. And obviously, John Travolta turns up and he just puts it on the elevator and takes it back up to the <laughs> surface. Yeah. Yeah. It's all a bit pointless, that. And it turns into like the Goonies, doesn't it, for a second, in that when they're trying to escape because the, the bomb's going to go off. And they sort of lock them down. They destroy the lift back up, like because they're down the shaft. And uh, you know, there's a whole scene down there where they're sort of chasing each other. Big gunfight um, between the bad guys and um, Christian Slater and Samantha Mathis. And uh, they're trying to get back out because they they think they're going to die because the nuclear <laughs> nuclear weapons about to go off right near them. Uh, try it's, and find a way it, out. It's very goony. So where do they go? <laughs> Well, they there's a she's like oh there's a there's a river there's a river underneath it that's why they shut down the mine blah 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 and there's some secret access tunnels and she finds a map she like points to the map and it close up on the thing she's like it's this way and they go down there and he goes like it's like pure comedy isn't it he goes I don't think there's anything down here and yeah. he, they fall down like this the, hole that the opens floor up gives the floor. way yeah the rock floor gives way doesn't yeah. it? yeah and they go sliding down like a, a watery tunnel into and then pop up in the in a big lake in, in a pond and what's funny when they pop up in that big lake it's like mm. they've just surfaced from a river that's ex- like pushed them out at the bottom of the lake when yeah. in truth they're probably just like coming out at the side but for some yeah. reason they pop out in the middle of the lake and they're right like, in the, <gasps> right in the <gasps> middle of it <laughs> yeah, yeah right in the middle of it gasping for air like yeah what surely they would have just been popped out on the side of the lake and they wouldn't be gasping for air but for some reason they're now in the middle of the lake in the middle of it why not you know they needed to swim didn't they he did. So yeah, um, we then see that nuke go off, and it, it's awesome. That scene is absolutely amazing when it takes out that it's really good. Uh, the helicopter with all the the um, the guys in the suits, like the yeah. the you know anti nuclear. Oh yeah, they're like in like space anti radiation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it just takes them out. He's like EMP. He's like EMP, Mister Pritchard. And you just watch the helicopter blow up. 
Yeah. And he's like, say, God damn, what a rush. Yeah, God damn, what a rush. Yeah. So John Travolta's on top form in this, isn't he? He's amazing. He's, on top he's just form. a nutcase. Absolutely yeah. nutcase. Um, um, so that continues on. We then see John Travolta grows tired of Mr. Pritchard constantly talking to him, and he hits him in the throat with a truncheon. <laughs> or a torch or something. Isn't it? He just Some like kind of sl- slaps him in the throat and kills him. <laughs> yep. Slaps him in the throat, kills him. Yeah. Uh, Throws then, him out of the car. And obviously, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Pritchett didn't like him smoking. So John Travolta then lights up another cigarette and then flicks it at him. Flicks yeah. it at the dead body. Flicks <laughs> it at his body. Before, he says one of my favourite lines where he, he just looks at him like, you know, because his head's tilted back, he's dead. Mouth, mouth agape sort of thing. And he just says, Mr. Pritchett, would you mind stepping outside before like pushing his body out of the Humvee? There's no doors left. Brilliant. They'll be blown off. Yeah, Brilliant. Brilliant. Loved it. Um, <laughs> so from that point on, they jump on a boat. Terry somehow gets oh, yeah. stuck in the boat. She couldn't jump out of it. And she's just sitting under a sheet. Yeah. And they go off in their little boat. Yeah. And it turns into planes, trains and automobiles at this point, doesn't it? Basically, yeah. Um, uh, Hale gets found. He gets, you know, pulled out of the river somewhere, apparently near a port. And yeah. uh, they then, John Travolta then boards a train and he's going to detonate the train in uh, Salt Lake City or Denver, Colorado. You're not quite sure. No. And they're not quite sure. So Christian Slater asked Delroy Lindo to overthrow protocol and send him into the field to stop Deakins, which yep. he allows, much yep. to his chagrin, because it <laughs> ends up ultimately killing him. Yeah. Um, and we then get one of the best train-based action moments of all time. Yeah. It's very good. The whole the whole last sequence to this film is very good. It, yeah. From an from an action stance. Lots of good, you know, stunts going on. It's all physically done. You know, it's on a moving train. There's some yep. really cool stuff. There's some gunfights across the top, helicopters blowing up. Uh not to mention <laughs> not to mention the end. But there, no, there is some really good stuff. There's about half a second that's absolutely terrible of this entire sequence. Yeah. Which we'll come on to. <laughs> terrible. And it's a solid me. half a second. It really is. Oh, it is. Um, so this is this was really cool. I love the fact that they were doing the stunts actually on a moving train. They were literally mm. running along a train, jumping, yeah. hand, hanging on the side, jumping yeah, off it. Lots of aerial footage, um, you know, of them running across the top of yeah. it. And people falling off the side. And yeah, really cool. I love when the helicopter comes down and it buzzes the, the train and it, Takes a couple of the henchmen out with the blades. The oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's yeah. really good, that scene. Yeah, yeah really yeah. good. Uh, yeah, and then it like flips over, doesn't it? And then the, like, the helicopter flips over and the rotors are like, you know, the back yeah. rotors go spinning around. It's really close yeah. to me. It like, pushes her out of the way. Oh, it's really yeah. good, that. Yeah. yeah, I really like yeah. that. All that stuff. All the helicopter-based stuff is good. The stunts are great in this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think that... I don't. I don't think that this is... This scene is like the final end of the scene is like the best it could have been, but it was no. almost like they were just like, "How are we going to kill John Travolta? How are we going to get rid of him?" Yeah. Do you want to take us through that step by step? In fact, let's just before we do that. So they've got this nuclear warhead and it's sitting in a in a like a, a what do you call them like a, a crate? Like a, a, yeah, like sitting a on a crate. Crate thing. Yeah, it, it's just sitting on a crate in a in an old caboose or whatever. Yeah, and they're <laughs> oh caboose. <laughs> oh, oh, and there and it's basically being he wants, he wants to arm it and so he captures he's got Terry there uh, Samantha Mathis and he makes her arm the bomb in what can only be described 
as the most sexual arming of a nuclear warhead in the history of cinema. <laughs> so disturbing. It's it really disturbing. disturbing. I was like, what is going on here? He's like, it's not even how, what he's doing. It's how no, it's she's, what she's acting. Doing. Yeah, it's really weird. He's like making her push the buttons with the gun. He's like got his arm around her and he's making her push the buttons on the bomb to arm it with the gun. And every time she pushes the button, she's like, ah, oh, oh, and like, she's like, ah, oh. and then he like gets the gun and he like rubs the gun like across her cheek and like towards her mouth. Yeah. And she's like, ah, oh, oh, like lipstick, isn't it? Like all lipstick on. <laughs> it's fucking like, weird. Oh. It's, it's really and he's like, weird. seven. She's like, oh, seven. Like, presses seven. It's really uncomfortable. It made me feel really it's uncomfortable. Horrible. Mm. Yeah. Very <laughs> 90s. Fucking odd. Um, but a very sexual scene nonetheless. And we then see good old Hale jumps in, yeah. takes out Save the big meathead, kicks him off the side of the train and he falls oh, to he his does. death. Yeah, with that was a, a shame. Yeah. <laughs> I like that guy. <laughs> Wilhelm scream. Yeah, it was. Um, and they then have a fist fight for the ages. Their final <laughs> fist fight. They do. I mean, it's, you know, it's very back and forth in it. You know, it's like, good isn't it because it relates back to the first scene of the film and this is the final scene you know they're having a boxing match basically but instead of in the ring it's now in a train and they're flying through crates and fighting over you know trying to grab a gun and it's all the typical stuff you know like it's they're just yeah getting pushed with the, through with crates. the Hans Zimmer score behind it as well yeah with the score like ramping up and the bombs counting down yeah. <laughs> and he's like you know I could disarm it with this button he's like why don't you he's like because I don't feel like it <laughs> Yeah, I'm not in the mood. Is the line? I'm not in the mood. Yeah, and the train's heading towards like a um, another train, the the first part, the front part of the train, isn't it? Yeah, as well. So you've got that. The train's about to crash as well. Yeah, it's all into a flaming train. Yeah, but with a nuclear weapon on board. (laughs) And we then see Christian Slater punches John Travolta. He hits him up against the wall. Yeah, just as the train is about to hit the other train and the and the zero is the one is about to go to zero and set off the nuke yeah christian slater dives out with the little device yeah he activates it in midair points at it doesn't he he doesn't have to point at it it's just a general remote he doesn't have to go but he does anyway he goes deactivates the warhead as the war as the train hits the other train yeah everything goes like full g doesn't it it's like yeah i mean it's the most John Woo thing you can think of. It's Hale jumping out backwards from the train, pressing a remote instead of firing a gun. In slow motion. In slow motion. While the... I'll let Go on, carry on, because it's amazing. And we then see the warhead kind of shakes itself loose off of the, the boxes, and mm-hmm. it flies through the air for what can only be described as a good 25 seconds. <laughs> it felt like... It. And that's the noise it's made as it's approaching yeah. John Travolta, who's kind of slowly getting up, you know. Oh. I don't know how he's actually still getting up. The train hits the other train and the warhead's moving forward, but John Travolta's kind of climbing upwards. He's not like going back through the wall. It makes no sense, no it scientific sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. But it then cuts and just in the in the half a second before it hits John Travolta, we see what I have always classed as my favorite ever movie dummy. And that I is why. That is the John Travolta dummy 
which is basically a padded out um, jumper, blue jumper, and a, a sweatshirt and a pair of like a scarecrow, yeah, like a scarecrow, like scarecrow. He's padded out like a scarecrow with a rubber John Travolta mask on, which has a little bit of blood on his nose to yeah. mimic how he looks in the film. And it's it's not like it's there, like you just it's just a split second. It's like half a second. So you see the dummy and you wait for it to get hit and then you see it get hit. And then, and only then, we also hear the dummy go, oh, <laughs> yeah. as the warhead hits him in the stomach and pushes him through the back wall of the train. Yeah, it folds in half. He folds it completely folds in, in half. half. And, and seems to go through like, uh, <laughs> like an insanely small gap in the carriage yeah. with the rocket. It's yeah. a ridic- I laughed so much when this happened. I didn't know what was going to happen. But as we said, going back to The Rock, it's another way. It's similarity. It's another character that dies, but this one, a main character, by getting fired out of somewhere with a rock rocket. <laughs> it's amazing. It's this one, one the best not even propelled by deaths. the rocket itself, just propelled by apparently no, G-Force. By, by G-Force, yeah. The best thing is that you get that little cut to Travolta's face at, before he his death, and he gives it like a wry smile, doesn't he? Yeah, like he gives like a little wry smile to camera as it zooms yeah. in on his face, and yeah. then the whole dummy thing happens. It's insane, it's ridiculous. Um, uh, but I love it. Yeah, it's one of the best deaths in a film I've ever seen in my life. Completely agree. And it has always um, been for that reason. And what's amazing about this is, is that I noticed this when this was out on, I think it was, I think my brother bought it on video on VHS. Yeah. And I remember watching it and on video, seeing it. And you know how bad resolution video was, right? And seeing it and being like, what the, did you see that? My brother was like, yeah. And I was like, the John Travolta dummy. He was like, the John Travolta dummy. So (laughs) it's always been about that. Holding it off. Yeah. And then we paused it. We did it in slow motion. You can see it in slow motion. It's If you do like freeze frame on it on the DVD, if you've got the DVD or on Netflix or whatever. You can just clearly yeah. see the John Travolta dummy. It's yeah, truly one of the best dummies of all time. We'll post a link to it on Instagram. There's a there's a YouTube video just showing that scene, and it's well worth a watch. Yep, <laughs> it's well worth a watch. <laughs> yeah, amazing. for me, I because I've always known about the John Travolta dummy. This yeah. film is basically just a build up for me to see that dummy again <laughs> for the <laughs> like, entirety of the film. From the minute you see that boxing fight at the beginning, I'm thinking about the dummy. I'm thinking, yeah. This is where this movie is going to get to. It's going to get to seeing that wow. dummy get folded into like into a sa- into a half sandwich and just pulled through that door with the uh, sound effect. You also I see mean, him I'm, fly out and hit all the barrels and then blow up as well. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, a lot of stuff happens after. Yeah, but I, I'm a little bit sad that I can never experience that for the first time again because I that I had that this week. You know, I managed to watch it. I'm happy that you did, time. and you noticed yeah. it as well. Oh yeah. You can't not. <laughs> Is it because I talked about it before or not? No, I'd like, I did, honestly, I knew nothing about this film. Like, I, honestly, as I said at the beginning, I really thought that I knew uh, that I'd seen this film. And as soon as I started watching it, I got like half an hour in. I was like, I haven't seen it. I was like, I, I, I thought I'd seen it. it. You know, I thought it's got to ring some bells in a minute. I'm going to see something that I, re- I recognize. You know, I've watched it on TV. Like, yeah at some point or seen it from halfway through, but no, not at all. Definitely. That is really surprising for me. That's really yeah, surprising. I know. Surprising for me as well. Oh, do you want some trivia then? 
Do you kind of wish that you'd seen this in the 90s? Yeah, yeah, I suppose, yeah. But I'm sort of glad I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> like, for me, this is a classic. It's like an cl- absolute classic. Yeah, oh, yeah. If I've seen this, a... pro- I've probably seen this more than, like, uh, probably more than, like, Predator. I've seen it more than really? Commando. Yeah. Oh, my God. Impossible. I used to watch this film all the time, especially, like, if I was I mean, staying I home see... from school. This is a film I would watch. Yeah. If you want to watch a 90, a classic 90s action film, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. It's on the list with all the others. But yeah. It's, it's on the list with all the others, be... isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's, up, it's, like, yeah. It's, it's not up there with the quality of The Rock. No. Because it's still, it's still good. lacking something, but it's still yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm going to give you some trivia. Let's do it. Uh, Christian Slater did almost all of his own stunts. Hmm. And apparently he gave up, um, I heard that he gave up smoking in preparation for the role because he knew it was going to be quite physical. That's hilarious. He was quite adamant. So, so Christian Slater gave up smoking and then every scene he's in with John Travolta, John Travolta's <laughs> blowing smoke John in his face. smoke in his face. <laughs> Maybe that's why they did it. Outstanding hail, that that's the spirit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um... So Howie Long's character, so we didn't really mention him much, but he's like he's like the main henchman. Like he's another military The big meathead that gets kicked out of the rogue, train. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kelly is the character name. But yeah. yeah, this guy called Howie Long. He's this big like meathead. He's got a flat top and he flat top. He looks like Guile from Street Fighter. Yeah, basically. he does. He's a football um, player, wasn't he? Is he a football player? I think so, yeah. So apparently his character was originally supposed to get killed off earlier in the film. Um, but when like the executives from Fox... Um, saw like the dailies they liked mm. his performance so they made them expand his role what? so he could be in the whole film <laughs> they liked his performance <laughs> yeah wow wow yeah um, Samantha Mathis asked friend Sandra Bullock for tips on doing action scenes Bullock uh, told her to hum the James Bond theme before every take <laughs> why I don't know <laughs> That's so weird. Um, John Woo's earlier cut came in at the two-hour mark and featured more character development and more violence in the action scenes. I mean, what's more violent than a rocket folding someone in half? Who knows? I don't know, but I, I sort of want to see it. I mean, it's still it's still an hour and forty-eight minutes long. This film. It doesn't. It didn't so, feel that long, though. It didn't. It doesn't feel that long. No, you're right. It doesn't. Um. Now, the phase broken arrow, which is explained in the film, is, it, well, in the film, they say it's when a nuclear weapon is lost, right? But apparently, just to do some I'm not sure what's more disturbing. The, broken- the fact that you can lose two nuclear warheads or the fact that this happens so frequently that you have a name for it. Exactly, exactly. But the phase broken arrow is not actually used to refer to the theft, loss, or seizure of nuclear weapons or components from the US. That's known as an empty quiver. Oh. Uh, and as we know, arrows are kept in quivers. A broken arrow is defined by CJCSI 3150.03b, <laughs> Joint Reporting Structure Event and Instant Reports, as a US nuclear weapon accident that does not create the risk of a nuclear war. Wow. There you go. But the kind of whole point of this was is that it was going to potentially... Well, no, it wasn't going to create a nuclear war, was it? Because it was just going to blow up 
So what you're what saying is this cooler. film should have been called Empty Quiver, starring John Travolta. Empty Quiver. Yeah, I was going to say, what sounds cooler, Broken Arrow or Empty Quiver? Incredible. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I, I had an Empty f- Quiver after watching this film. <laughs> <laughs> I did after watching the scene where he's, you know, where she's getting all hot under the collar. With the nuclear weapon. The oh, seven. Oh, seven. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Uh, during the final few blows of the last fist fight, mm. as Hale is punching and kicking, growls and roars of large cats, i.e., lions and tigers, can be heard. <laughs> really? Yeah. I need to rewatch that scene. I need to rewatch it because I've read that scene. I was like, what? Um, yes. So, a portion, this is a good one, mm-hmm. a portion of Hans Zimmer's score was also used in Scream 2. Really? It was in 97. So oh, it was. It was the introduction yeah. to one of the characters. For two. I think so. To, um, uh, I was going to say Doofy, but it's not that scary. That's a scary movie. <laughs> oh, it's a Doofy thing. It's a Doofy thing. Yeah. Um, but um, David Arquette's character, they use it for David yeah. Arquette's character, don't they? The ding, ding, yeah. ding, ding. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, that's right. They do. Long time since I've seen yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is something. So Helen Helen Hunt was offered the role of Terry Carmichael, or Samantha Mathis's mm. character, and turned it down in favour of Twister, which also came out in '96 uh, as well. Also brilliant. But I could 100% see Helen Hunt doing that role. Yeah, I can as well. Couldn't you? Like as a park ranger, sort of doing that. That role. she'd be I, brilliant. I, I could I could have seen that. She would have been good in that. Um, <laughs> this one's great, right? So originally, the studio hired director Dwight H. Little to direct the film, but had a decision to make as he was also offered Free Willy 2, The Adventure Home. <laughs> At the same time, <laughs> Little chose to do Free Willy 2 for Warner Brothers, figuring, figuring it would be highly successful like the, the original film. Fox then hired John Woo for the film since he was the perfect director for a film of this nature. Yeah. God, we could have ended up with a really bad movie, couldn't we? Free Willy 2, he directed instead of Broken Arrow. Free, free, free Deke. <laughs> free Deke. They should call it Freaky Deke 2. Broken Arrow Freaky 2. Free, broken Arrow 2. Free Deke. <laughs> free Deke. Deke's empty quiver. No, uh, no, no. Broken Arrow 2. Free Deke in 3D. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, yes. Yeah, he'd come out, the rocket, he would fire towards the screen in 3D. And he would say, what a terrible thing to say. Yeah, his cigarette would be out of the screen at you in 3D as well. All the smoke would be blowing around. You could do that, one of those 4D things where you pump like dry ice in every time he's on the screen. Just smoke. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, And funny, because you mentioned this earlier on, but uh, critic Jeffrey Lyons, at the time the film was released in February 96, criticised the film as planes, trains and automobiles with exploding helicopters and endless explosions. Um, sign me up. Yeah. I mean, like, criticised. What was his what? name? That just sounds amazing. Uh, Jeffrey Lyons. Jeffrey Lyons. Listen, sign me up. All right. Planes, trains and automobiles with exploding Lyons. helicopters. Get me in there. Yeah. Why would you? He all he did there is he just sold the movie. He was trying to like put it down, but he just sold the movie. Yeah, he just made it more desirable. Absolutely, to its target audience. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) and there you go. That's that's my trivia. What's your favorite John Woo movie? 
Um, I do enjoy hard boiled. That's John Woo, right? Yep. I like. Um, yeah, hard boiled's great. Uh, I'm trying to think what other John Woo films I've seen. I'll give you a clue. You can take your face. Oh God, oh. of course, face off, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. he did do that. Um, but no, I prefer. I think I prefer his sort of like, yeah, like the hard boiled. Um, More of his Hong Kong action stuff. Yeah, hard target. Yeah, yeah. hard like, target that yeah. kind of stuff. Hard target. Actually, yeah, hard target's brilliant as well. Yeah, Chance Bordeaux. Um, Chance Bordeaux, isn't it? Yeah, Jean Claude Van Damme was Chance Bordeaux. <laughs> Oh, I'm just target. looking at the. Uh, I'm just looking at his list again. Mission Impossible Two, he did, which wasn't very good. But... It was terrible. It's it was the awful. worst Mission Impossible movie by a long way. Yeah, yeah, by a long way. <laughs> oh, he did Wind Talkers as well. That was Nicolas Cage, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. that wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. No, that was all right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, I I like Hard Boiled and Hard Target. Um... Anything hard you like, Phil? Apparently. Mm, yeah. I like anything broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow what a film go and watch it go and watch Broken Arrow it's an absolute classic where did you watch it in the UK uh, I rented it from Amazon I believe Amazon so, Video. so it's available on Amazon to rent in the US yeah, so, I watched yeah. it on YouTube for free oh right okay. um, with some adverts available on there yeah there were just some adverts in, in the middle that they put in there Oh, okay. And I, it's also available on Roku TV, which is another free app that you can use. And again, it gives you adverts, but I've seen the, this movie so many times, I didn't really worry about the adverts. No. I wanted an unspoiled experience. You really did. <laughs> you can get it on... So just checking for UK people, because I'm looking at the uh, the app that tells you where you can watch things. You can get it on, yeah, the Sky Store. Uh, I could have rented it through my Skybox, Apple TV, Amazon, Microsoft Movies, and Rakuten TV as well. Okay. So it's mm. available. Yeah, they're all like three pound forty nine to rent it in HD. I did it from Amazon, but go yeah. watch it or find a DVD somewhere and watch that. That would be even better. Yeah, or VHS. Oh, watch I should, or VHS, and Portal you can TV. watch. You can watch the John Travolta dummy get pulled out of the train like a sandwich. <laughs> um, all right, Phil. Brilliant movie. I'm glad that you thought it's the best movie you've ever seen. I also clearly agree. <laughs> um, have you got any last you words? Put words in my mouth. Um. No, because we've done all the quotes. <laughs> what a terrible thing to say. Hush, what hush, Mr. Pritchard, hush. <laughs> so join us on the next Movie Mouth podcast slice of movie and TV related fun. But before then, please follow our Facebook and Instagram accounts at, at Movie Mouth Podcast and hit subscribe or give us a nice five star review on your podcast popcorn on your podcast player of choice. There is just one last thing to say, Phil, isn't there? There usually is, yeah. What is it this time? Goodbye. Goodbye.